don't look back because the market is closed. Good Wednesday afternoon, everyone. Tyler Harridge here with you for today's VRA Investing Podcast. Well, it was certainly an interesting day out there in the markets today. Got a lot to cover here, so let's jump right in. It was the Federal Reserve Day today, FOMC Day, a much anticipated one as well. And it certainly made for an interesting day in the markets, a volatile one as well, certainly. Uh, leading up to the FOMC meeting today, our major indexes were relatively flat this morning. They were creeping higher, bond yields were heading lower. And then just before the FOMC meeting minutes were released, the Dow turned positive. Shortly after the minutes were released, we got a rocket ship like move higher, taking the NASDAQ positive as well. The S&P 500 positive. The small caps on IWM were positive as well. And then none other than the money, the money printing rock star himself, Jay Powell, began his press conference and the market began its race to the bottom for the day today. And I'll get to what we saw more in the markets today here in a minute. But first, let's cover what we saw from today's FOMC meeting. As expected, the Fed raised rates by another 75 basis points here, making the fourth time in a row of these large rate hikes, bringing the Fed funds right now to a 3.75 to 4%. Uh, Again, we went slightly positive as the market anticipated that move. Uh, And our other indexes went positive as well. The U.S. dollar hit session lows. This was just about 2 p.m. Eastern time. The 10-year yield hit session lows as well. And overall, the minutes themselves seemed to indicate that the Fed was beginning their pivot that a lot of people have been anticipating here. That's why the market made this quick turn rally that it had to its highs of the day. The Dow jumped, I mean, some 400 points just after the minutes were released. Uh, But again, then at about 2.30 Eastern time, Jay Powell took the stage with really what seemed to be his best impersonation of a nightclub DJ at 2 a.m. He flipped on the lights, said the party is over, turned on closing time, telling everybody, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. That's exactly what he did today in his speech. Uh, And going into this press conference, Jay Powell had actually been on a winning streak at every rate hike so far this year. The market had bottomed ahead of his speech And then once he began speaking, the markets rallied off the lows of the day. But you have to remember here, those have been the exception to Jay Powell's tenure as Fed chair. Certainly not the norm. When he began this job, we ran the numbers on it a lot. You've heard Kip and I talk about it a lot over the last couple of years. Uh, But in case you haven't been with us, Jay Powell, going back to the beginning, has had a terrible record of stock market performance when he was speaking. Typically, it was a day like today where the market was rallying. Then 
he got on stage to throw some cold water onto the fire and the markets tanked every time. I mean, it was like 95% of the time that this guy spoke that the markets began to move lower for the day. So we've always made that joke that someone just needs to tell this guy, read the minutes word for word, and then get off the stage before the Q&A because uh, he's definitely not very good at it. Could be intentional somewhat, absolutely. Uh, but while many expected today that uh, the Fed would signal a shift in their hawkish stance, which we began to see from the minutes, Jay Powell was very clearly not dovish in his uh, presser today, you know, in the very beginning of it, saying that it was premature to talk about pausing here, even though he did say that he didn't expect another 75 basis point hike, uh, that they there was a lag in the data, they would take that into account. Uh, so the expectations are for in December that it will be a smaller hike, roughly a 50 basis point hike is kind of the consensus estimates right now. But what was perhaps the most surprising about his speech today was that we're now just six days away from the final day for midterm election voting. And Jay Powell seemed to be giving the middle finger to the Biden administration with this presser today, uh, which if that was the case, I mean, we've, we've got no problem with that. We want to see a massive red wave. Uh, and maybe that's what he, what he is hoping for as well. Uh, certainly not what we expected here. We, we expected to see the Fed take a dovish stance, even if he didn't, you know, say anything too dovish. He could have just let the minutes speak for themselves uh, and let the market rally into the midterms, throw some cold water on it after that. Uh, that's kind of more so what we expected, but it certainly was not the case today. Uh, but I wish I could say that it was a guy who came out confident, like he's got this under control. That was not the case, and that might have spooked the market even more. And I'll tell you what I mean by that in a second. But really, I mean, if you if you watch these meetings regularly, which we do every every FOMC speech, uh, we'll, we watch them. Uh, you know. Uh, as much as of an annoyance it is to see so many of these Fed presidents speaking so much that we've turned these people into celebrities for some reason, uh, when in reality they should be, uh, I mean, not treated that way for sure. I mean, they get invited to the black tie parties. You know, it, it's a is a social club is what it has turned into. But what we saw today was not someone presenting from a place of confidence here. It seemed more like a guy who was unsure of himself trying to convince everyone else that he's something that he's not. It seemed to be doing, Jay Powell seemed to be giving his best impression of the confident and competent Paul Volcker, the man who reigned in the out-of-control inflation of the 1970s, early 80s, uh, but if you watch, again, if you watch them regularly, you know, that's just not who he is. Uh, and don't try to be something that you're not here, Jay Powell. But it, it really seemed to be operating from a place of fear, not from a place of strength. And his fear is being remembered as the guy who preceded Paul Volcker. Arthur Burns was the, was the Fed chair before that. The guy who didn't 
do enough to halt inflation. History did not look kindly upon him as far as people who, you know, know what they're, who pay attention to the Federal Reserve. And that fear is not unfounded. Nobody wants to be that guy who couldn't do the job. But it certainly seemed that his fear of being Arthur Burns outweighs his confidence of being somebody like a Paul Volcker. It's like a baseball player walking up to the plate who's sitting there hoping, oh, please, I don't want to strike out. Please, I don't want to strike out. Or, or maybe I'll get a walk. As opposed to somebody walking up to the plate saying, I'm going to get a hit. I'm, I'm hoping to hit a home run. Coming from a place of optimism, right? That's just not what he conveys when he gets on to say on to stage. He seems like someone unsure of himself. And I'm not saying that he has to be a Paul Volcker, but be who you are. Don't try to be someone else. It comes across as an imposter, really. Uh, but perhaps the most revealing aspect of this speech, which I believe really exposed this this fear that I'm talking about here, was in the Q&A session today. At this point, I mean, he's probably about 30 minutes into his speech. The market's tanking at or near its lows of the day. And there must not be a ticker in the room or for some way to them to see quotes. Uh, because one of the reporters, and maybe, maybe he baited Jay Powell into this one, who knows. Uh, but this reporter started off his question by mistakenly telling Powell that the market was rallying again today. And again, we're red across the board at this point, going from the highs of the day quickly on a dime, turning to the lows of the day after Powell started speaking. And that was when Jay Powell seemed to double down on his hawkish rhetoric there. I mean, it was almost as if being told that the stock market was rallying worried him that he had a problem with that. So he had to do something to really drive this point home that the job is not done yet. The conditions are not, and this is a quote, the conditions are not yet sufficiently restrictive. He went on and on doubling down on the hawkish tone that he presented at the beginning that was tanking the market already. That's when we really got to the lows of the day. I mean, just emphatically, restating all of his comments from earlier. Uh, I mean, unbelievable. But, he, you know, he went on to say that the bigger risk here, and, and he's not wrong in, in some sense, that the bigger risk here is not going far enough. Because if they go too far, he believes that they can use their tools to begin to inflate again. Uh, but if they don't go far enough, they risk having to restart a hiking cycle. That logic to me makes no sense. I don't see what the problem is with waiting. I mean, we're talking about a long-term plan here, right? What is the problem with waiting a few more months for this lagging data, which it all is that they look at, that they're basing this off of, from inflation? Remember, we, all, we can only really see inflation a, a month after it's happened. Um, and so I don't really see what the problem is here in waiting a month, right? Um I mean, it's just the old ways of doing things, I guess. But uh, what what I really don't get about this is that Jay Powell must, and I've talked about this a lot, the Fed plays this forward-looking game. He must be banking on people's short-term memories here. Uh, 
I mean, remember, three years ago, before COVID hit, Jay Powell had the opposite problem that he has now. And he seemed very distraught and disturbed that they couldn't get inflation to their 2% target, which is also a scam. I mean, 0% clearly should be the target. Oh, but now, now he has the confidence that if they overshoot, that they can use those same tools to bring inflation back to life. <laughs> I mean, you have to be joking. This is the, the Fed's game, though. They want you to look forward at what they're going to do instead of pointing out the mistakes that they've already made. I mean, these people, man, uh, as you can tell, I'm a little bit worked up. I mean, when you've, when you've watched this and, and these cycles that they go through here, I mean, it's tough not to get a little frustrated by what you're seeing. I mean, all of this mess at the end of the day was caused by the Fed. And now they want to sell you the solution here. I mean, uh, these people are absolutely either one of two things. Uh, they're actors, you know, playing out a written script from their handlers, or they are incompetent hacks. I mean, it could be a combination of the two, really. Those are honestly... Uh, one of those things or the combination, those are really the only options here. Uh, <coughs> is, but they know that as long as they tout the party line, they'll be allowed to keep their cushy jobs. So they don't really care about being wrong at the end of the day. And at the end of the day, this pro problem won't be solved until we take a page out of Ron Paul's book and demand that we end the Fed into the Federal Reserve and replace it with nothing. Remember, going back to 1913 and the creation of the Fed, the U.S. dollar has lost 97% of its purchase, purchasing power. Who does this benefit? It benefits the extremely wealthy. Inflation acts like a tax for anybody who's not the 1% one, 1 of 1%, right? And they know this, and they want to keep that going. Uh, they want to keep the debt-based economy going the way it is so they can inflate all assets higher because they're the primary asset owners. Uh, so inflation really works in their favor. Uh, remember just a, a year ago, I forget who it was, but a hedge fund manager was saying who the Fed is the number one problem when it comes to wealth inequality. They like to claim that they want to be all about equality, but who do their policies benefit? Look at that. Follow the money here. The people who made the most money during COVID weren't the people at the bottom of the financial totem pole. It was already, it was, the money went to the already wealthy. So it's time to get these people out of our way. Uh, all right. So that being said, let's quickly go through our markets on the day today. As I mentioned earlier, we were positive heading into Jay Powell's presser. The Dow was leading the way, actually got back above 33,000 for the first time since the end of August today. But then from the highs of the day, we collapsed some 900 points on the Dow to finish near the lows of the day, down just over 1.5% to 32,147. That was a 500-point loss from the open, a 900-point loss 
from the highs of the day. We were followed there by the S&P 500 down 2.5% to 3,759. Next up, the NASDAQ and the small caps tied on the day for losses percentage-wise, both down 3.36%. NASDAQ now at 10,524. Small caps also, again, down 3.36% to 1,789. I'll also point out here, as I mentioned earlier, the 10-year yield was also at its lows of the day going into Jay Powell's speech. It rallied to finish positive on the day, now back above 4% at a 4.05% for the 10-year yield. Looking at our internals on the day, we got a return to ugliness here. Even in some of the down sessions recently, we've had pretty good internals, uh, you know, for a down session, but today negative across the board, declining stocks, beating out advancing stocks, nearly three and a half to one negative for the NYSE, just under three to one negative for the NASDAQ, 52 week highs to lows, also coming in negative for both the NYSE and NASDAQ. And lastly, volume, very negative here, uh, roughly 87% downside volume from about 30 minutes ago for the NYSE and uh, roughly 80% downside volume for the NASDAQ on the day. There was one area where we could have seen, which could be seen as a contrarian bullish indicator here, the put call ratio. You know, when people are buying a whole lot of puts, we like to take the opposite side of the majority a lot of the time. Uh, you know, it certainly doesn't work all of the time, but we, we like that strategy a lot. Uh, but put call ratio, remember the average here is a 0.7% with more people buying calls than puts. Today, we finished at a 1.2%, which is an elevated put buying ratio there uh, for the put call ratio. Uh, so again, one possible contrarian bullish indicator on the day. Had to get one positive in there. Next up, looking at our sectors on the day today, we had some positive sectors earlier in the session, including the semis, uh, which were positive earlier in the session, but also closed near their lows of the day, and all 11 S&P 500 sectors finished lower. Uh, our leaders, if you want to call them that, were utilities, financials, and healthcare, all of those down 1% to 1.5%, and our laggards on the day were consumer discretionary, technology, and communication services. Finally for today, our VRA Commodity Watch. Gold, I mean, really similar story here to our markets. Uh, hit its highs of the day before Jay Powell's speech. Now near its lows of the day, down about 7 tenths of 1% to $1,637 an ounce. Silver down a bigger 2.34% to $19.20 an ounce. Excuse me, copper down 1% here to $3.43 a pound. And oil still higher on the day now, but off its highs, we briefly got back above $90 a barrel for the first time since about October 12th uh, today. And now up 1.15% at $89.39 a barrel. So still right at its $90 a barrel mark. Uh, I'll also point out today though, natural gas, up big now by 8.3%. Uh, going to be interesting to watch that one going forward as we head into winter now as well. Finally for today, Bitcoin 
This pattern continued as well. Bitcoin hit its highs of the day leading up to the presser, now lower on the day, but hanging on to that $20,000 a Bitcoin mark. Uh, really, I mean, overall have liked this action in Bitcoin here. It's made a nice base uh, around you know this 18,000 to 20,000 level. Uh, and as the old technician saying go, the broad, the the broader the base, the higher in space it goes. Uh, we'll see if that's the case here for Bitcoin, but certainly seeming to consolidate here. Uh, now down on the day, 1.63% to 20,147 of Bitcoin. Folks, that is all that we have time for here today. Please be sure to subscribe to receive our VRA podcast every day at the market close. You can sign up at VRAinsider.com. Again, that's VRAinsider.com. We'll hope you come and join us here. Click on that podcast link at the top to receive these every day at the market close. Thanks again for tuning in. Until next time, we'll see you back here tomorrow for the close.